Don't you just love it when you can confidently say that someone has your back? Hi, Dave Lee here, and that's the feeling I have with UCARE. Anytime I call them up with a Medicare question, I know without a doubt that a real person will answer, and they will work through my issues no matter how long it takes, and they won't hang up until I completely understand what's going on. Their people and customer service are second to none, and it's why UCARE has people-powered health plans. Don't hesitate to reach out to UCARE for help. Learn more at UCARE.org slash Medicare. This paid endorsement brought to you by UCARE. Today on my first concert, when he leaves Mick, when he leaves the stage, what do you do next? Well, we just kind of the the audience had to catch their breath, yeah. and so did the band. Yeah, because obviously we didn't know that he was going to pass away weeks later. Yeah, but we knew this was pretty remarkable, and we needed to regroup. That just doesn't happen every day. <laughs> oh gosh, no, no. It was it was a it was a beautiful moment. The coolest part is with your head down on sunglasses. Oh my on, god! And then you hear that. And me and Scotty's reaction. <laughs> you know, I'm miles out. <laughs> Over 40 years of entertaining, he's part of the Minnesota music fabric, without a doubt. Chances are you've seen him, can perform most anything. I think that's what's most intriguing to me is uh, all genres, Mick Sterling can do it. It's all brought to you by the Minnesota Propane Association, by Aquarius Home Services, here from the AquariusHomeServices.com studio, by UCARE, by the Chan Hassan Dinner Theaters, and of course by our bank here at Doc North, StarBank.net. And you can download this on Apple, Spotify, TalkNorth.com, wherever you get your podcasts, and TalkNorth.com has a lot of them. Check out his website because you can see some of the shows he's going to do in the Stillwater area this year. You can have all over the place, yeah. The Chart House, you can do some things there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've been busy, uh, as usual. But Mick, it's really great to have you. Thanks for Thanks stopping. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. Well, I'm cur- I'm really curious because this. Is, I just love it when I find out what the first concerts were. Yeah. Particularly, uh, you know, with a talent like yourself. What's the first one you ever went to? Elton John, St. Paul Civic Center, mid '70s, right when Captain Fantastic came out. Oh yeah. Um, it was very exciting. It was very very exciting. Do you remember who you went with? I went with my friends that we were all kind of Elton is Elton is like my influence Mount Rushmore. One of, one of the four, you know, it it was Elton. So my, my friend, Peter Gurton, who still performs me to this day, when we were in junior high school, I met him in the Plymouth junior high school locker room. (laughs) I'm in eighth grade. He's in ninth grade. And I'm wearing this red, Elton John's Greatest Hits t-shirt that I just got at Kmart, <laughs> which I was very excited about. <laughs> I'll bet. And I walk into the locker room and he's down at the end of the locker room. And, you know, as any junior high school uh, young boy would say, you know, this is being in the locker room was one of the most terrifying things of all time. when <laughs> <laughs> you're that, that age because everyone's in different uh, parts of development and it's yes. humbling as you can possibly imagine. Um and so I walk in and he, Peter screams from across the locker room, I'll give you 12 bucks for that shirt. <laughs> I have no idea who the guy is. And so we, we started talking and he plays piano, he played piano and he could play Elton, like he played by ear. So he could play all those songs and he played just like Elton. It, he was freakish. He's in ninth grade. And so I went to his house and, I sat down in a chair and he, he played the stand-up piano and we just sang 
Elton songs, you know? And so it was me and Peter and our friend, Annie Miners, and we went to the St. Paul Civic Center and saw the show and we were losing our minds. It was just one of the most exciting things. I'd never been to a concert before. This was the guy that I, you know, this is all we did. We listened to Elton, you know, and, uh, so yeah, that was it. It was that was the first one. When you saw that, how much music were you doing yourself at that age? Well, I mean, we were singing those songs. We were, yeah. I weren't. I wasn't in a particular band at right. that time, but I knew everything. You know, back from eleven seventeen seventy, when literally one of the greatest rock albums of all time is Elton John's eleven seventeen seventy. We we, it's phenomenal if you've never heard it before. But I knew, you know, I knew the entire catalog back and forth. So it was, it was very emotional. It was very emotional to sing and just you know, to finally see this guy that had been so important to me and Peter. It made us want to play music. And that's and Peter, thankfully, could play everything. He knew everything. And I knew everything. And so we became fast friends. And now, you know, nearly 50 years later, we're basically doing the same thing. But it was all because of those, because of Elton. Isn't that something? Yeah. You mentioned the the other three on, on your musical Mount Rushmore. Mm -hmm. uh, hold that thought, Mick. I want to hear who they yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in the holiday season and family gatherings and the warmth of whether it be hot cocoa or whatever. Don't forget the unsung hero winner. That would be your furnace, the underdog there. Is it up for the challenge of the season ahead? Well, Aquarius Home Services invites you to make worry-free moments a reality with their heating and cooling expertise if you're dreaming of a snug winter night. Unwrap this gift of a 25% discount through their holiday super sale, and it's available throughout the festive season. So transform your home into this haven of comfort with a complimentary in-home consultation, offering respectful, on-time, and professional service, along with upfront pricing tailored to your needs. In fact, they'll text you as they're on their way and let you know what time they'll be there. Obviously, that's important for all of us. It's a good time to make this holiday season memorable and cozy, by the way, with Aquarius Home Services, where comfort meets savings. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And I got to tell you, uh, having been friends with them over there since they started the business, it's really fun to see what they've done and why they've become successful like they have. Let's get back to Mick Sterling here on My First Concert. Okay, Mick, yeah. you got me uh, curious. So we got Elton John as one Wait, of the Oh, faces. the Mount Rushmore, yeah. So Mount, yeah. So it, so the other three, Southside Johnny, Springsteen, James Brown. Those four. Everything everything I do, I, and I wrote about this in, in my book, it's just, yeah. I, I can hear, the. it all stems from those four. The choices, how I lead bands, you know, how I direct things. They all come from, and my inflections and stuff. I, I can hear those four influences in everything I do. They're it. They're the, they're the base. The, uh, I think Joe Cocker uh, was terrific. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if I've heard anybody do it as well as you have. Yeah. And, it, it, and thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love Joe Cocker. Um, and our, you know, their, our voices are, are similar and I, I can tap into that, um, which is really fun to do because those songs are just, well, they get you for a singer, up. they're just amazing. And when you think about, you know, that he didn't write any of his stuff. He just, but he interpreted everything to make it sound like it was his song. That's what made him so unique. I think you can hear it too when you do the Ray Charles stuff. 
Well, it, you know, Ray, Ray is interesting for, in my life because when I was a little boy, I, I tell people my influences were the monkeys and Ray Charles because my parents were, you know, servers and bartenders. And when I'm a little boy, I'm listening to the modern sounds of country and Western. I'm listening to crying time. I'm little, I'm like four and I'm listening to Ray Charles. And then the monkeys come and I love the monkeys, you know, but I, you know, so I, I, I love singing Ray Charles songs too. And that's, the, that's the show that we did when Prince joined us was the Ray Charles show. Yeah, let's talk about that. So uh, the last time I chatted with you was shortly thereafter uh, mm-hmm. that show. And then Bobby Vandell, when he was on, Bobby uh, talked about drumming. But tell the story, uh, Mick, because it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> well, it's a pretty interesting story because, so this is when Prince was doing his solo piano tour. And we're doing a run-through. We've never done the show before. And we did the run-through before the, the audience came in. And it, it quite honestly, was not good. Like we, it was, it, we didn't have a good run through. And, uh, and then somebody from Chanhassen says, well, Prince wants to come and see the show. And from playing bunkers for so many years, I had heard that refrain many times with yeah. Mick Sterling and the stud, but Prince wants to come and see, and they, he never showed up for whatever reason. It just, it just never happened. So I kind of went, well, he wants to see this show. Like it wasn't, a, it wasn't a good run through. <laughs> You have all the shows is going to come see this one, you know? So, uh, and so I just told one person in the band, I said, I've heard this. I don't think it's going to happen. And then we started the show and of course it went just fine. And we're doing, um, let the good times roll. And Scotty Miller, who's an amazing piano player was our piano player for the show. And he's doing a solo and I'm, I'm wearing sunglasses. I got my head down. I'm really liking what he's doing. I go, Keep going, keep going. All of a sudden, <laughs> so my head's down. I have sunglasses on, and all of a sudden, I hear this guitar, where I thought it was going to be a piano solo. But it sounds like my guitar player, Steve Morgan. But then I hear out of my left ear this, <laughs> this, this huge, you know, beginning yeah. eruption of a roar that I you just don't hear yeah. locally. Yeah. Or a local band, no matter where you're from, you don't you only get that kind of roar when somebody gigantic is surprisingly in the room. That happened once when 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 uh, uh, Guns and Roses came to see Bunkers, came to see the Stud Brothers at Bunkers. Oh, I got to ask it's you like about that. The oh, audience, wow. the boy, but it was that same kind of thing. It was a nightmare. It was a it was they they were terrible because they don't play this guy. It was it was stupid. But the audience reaction to them, you don't there's only one kind of sound and that was the same sound that happened with Prince. Now my mom and my sister ha- actually happened to be in the audience that night. And, uh, and then this guitar plays and both Scotty and I go, <laughs> you know, and he played for like a minute and a half crowd went crazy, took the guitar off and left. I never met him. And, uh, but it was what I really loved about it. I love that Prince felt like, he could, he would want to be on stage with, with the band that I put together. Yeah. It was a real honoring thing. And, and then to become this, this footnote of, you know, my band was the last band Prince played with in yeah. public. It was, you know, that was it. So it was a, it was an odd, sad footnote, but it is the case. We were the last band that he played with. And I think it's because, 
he wanted, because he was doing that solo thing, he wanted to kind of be around the Ray Charles thing too. So yeah. for whatever reason, it was a, it was a very sad, but beautiful blessing for the people there. And for me and for Bobby, just to have that experience, we'll never forget it. Yeah. It's, well, it's one of those things. And of course, now we don't get tickets anymore. It's everything's on the phone. Yeah. I wonder if people had tickets, physical tickets for that, that they could keep. I mean, yeah. what a keepsake. Oh, I don't know. You know, the, possible. I yeah. don't know. And now, now that guitar, that Prince played Steve Morgan's guitar, that guitar went for some outrageous amount on a live auction thing some like Sotheby's or whatever it was. It, it was actually kind of a nightmare for Steve. Yeah, mean, it was I kind bet. of cool, I bet. But, but the people coming at him for that guitar, it was a, uh, it was tough. It was unpleasant. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I bet. As he said, it was People unpleasant. probably came that night. Hey, can I buy you a guitar? I don't know about that no? night, oh. but he was getting calls from Rolling Stone from, you know, all around the yeah, world. I'll bet. That was Prince's last guitar that he played in public. Yeah. It's a big deal. Huge deal. That's yeah. kind of a rock and roll hall of fame. Uh, thing. Well, it was, yeah, it was pretty special. And then I wrote this column the next day, you know, I wrote, I wrote about it and it became a editorial on the Trib that got a lot of response because my take was on, on the editorial was everybody had their, their own personal moment with Prince and we did too, you know, but everybody, when they're listening to any of their songs, that's their experience. Right their own experience with, with Prince. And we all had that thing. And, and we were really blessed that we were in the same town and we got to experience that more than personal thing because we lived here and he wanted to live here. That was, that was the great thing. Yeah, and your music earned you. you he didn't just show up because he didn't know who you were, which is kind of a really nice compliment I, to I you mean, and your music. I, I can't base it, but I'm I'm but I, I'm I choosing would, just to be honored by it. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if it's actually true, but I I hope it was true. I, I guess he knew a lot of the people on the stage. He knew Bobby. You know, he knew Wayne McFarlane. He knows these guys, and he felt like I think he felt like, yeah, I, I've I've heard of Mick Sterling. You know, whether you saw me or not. You know, he's familiar of our of the level that we can play at. So we felt good about that. When he leaves Mick, when he leaves the stage, what do you do next? Well, we just kind of, the, the audience had to catch their breath yeah. and sort of the band. Yeah. Because obviously we didn't know that he was going to pass away weeks later, yeah. but we knew this was pretty remarkable and we needed to regroup. That just doesn't happen every day. <laughs> oh gosh, no, so, no. It was it was a great, the, it was a beautiful moment. The coolest part is with your head down on sunglasses. Oh my on, god! And then you hear the, and me and Scotty's reaction. <laughs> you know, <I'm> also, <laughs> when we come back, I want to touch on the Guns and Roses appearance, and I also want to talk about bunkers because you took a chance. I think if I remember the right, because it was a place to go Sunday nights, and. If I'm not mistaken, Mick, I think that was probably your idea to do Sunday night idea. shows. Yeah, and that turned into a. Uh, Line standing out uh, a bunker. So yeah. I want to ask you about that in a second. Okay. We're talking with Mick Sterling. This is my first country. You can download it at Apple, Spotify, talknorth.com, wherever you get your podcasts. Great to have you with our thanks to Star Bank for making it possible. That's our bank at talknorth.com, by the way. Uh, just know that the turnaround time on loans with these people at Star Bank is second to none. And it's very cool because it's a family run bank. And it's the same family that still runs it. They started out with a single bank in rural Minnesota years ago. Now they have 10 across the state, including, yep, right here in the metro where I've been. And I'll tell you what, you walk in there, it's, it's really that cool small town feel where you walk in and 
Once they see you for the first time, they want to get to know you. They'll know you the next time you come in. But even better, in this day and age, when you call and most companies don't answer their phone, you get you know you get sent to five, four, three, press something, and then maybe press it again for a different place. Not a Star Bank. They actually have a person that answers the phone, which again, not quite like Prince showing up on the stage, but it can throw you for a loop when that happens. So I, they're just they really know how to do business, and they're just great people. Uh, so I'd find out about that. It's really kind of how banking should be. Uh, just call your local Star Bank branch today, or stop in at your convenience. And they're great, by the way, of uh, supporting all the areas that they're in here in Minnesota. Loans are subject to a loan application and approval. StarBank.net member FDIC and equal housing lender. Well, Mick, let's go back to those uh, bunkers days. Uh, hey, let me just throw something in just real quick, though. That Star Bank commercial you did is actually true. I met a banker at, from Star Bank at this event I did last summer. And it was an unbelievable conversation. You know, he visits these farms and they know him and they, you know, they re- it, it is a really unique, unique institution. They're, they're a very rural uh, institution that does the job. They, it was a great, I, th- I think I talked in like a half an hour. It was really moving. It was great. Yeah, they're real people. Yeah, it was yeah. great. Yeah, the way it should be more often, that's for sure. Guns and Roses. Uh, now, did you have a heads up on that? <laughs> well, not really. And, and, and it, was, it, was, it, it really was a nightmare because <laughs> it wasn't Axel and Slash, but it was the rest of the guys. Yeah. And they wanted to come and people lost their minds and everyone was blah, blah, blah. And, and so my band goes back and well, what are we going to do? What, what song are we going to do? And one, one of my horn players goes, you know, let's, let's, let's play some Duke Ellington. I'm going, well, nobody wants to hear these guys do Duke Ellington. You know, let's not. And, and so I, I think we wound up doing sitting on the dock of the bay or a couple of songs. And it was horrendously bad <laughs> but nobody cared yeah and, yeah. and it yeah. was it was that roar when those guys got on yeah. stage that audience <laughs> made a sound that you just don't get you know you just don't get that kind of sound huh? i don't care where you're from whatever local band you're in around the country if someone of that caliber that stature jumps on your local stage people lost their minds it was horrendously bad and nobody cared, you know, That's, the pressure's <laughs> but, gone, but it was really fun. I mean, you know, it was a, it was a great experience. Uh, so the bunkers thing, take us back to when you decided to do a Sunday night thing, which was kind of an unusual yeah. night. And it turned out to be a, a, quite an event. Eventually. Well, you know, I lived in St. Louis between 84 and 87. And I, it was the first time that I'd really been in a full time band. I was, we were rehearsing during the day. We were writing original songs. We were doing like 27, 28 shows a month. One day, setting up gear, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was it was a great education. I learned a lot. And when I was in St. Louis, there was this band that played on Sundays from like four to seven in this little northern, northern North County place in St. Louis. I saw the band. They were fine. It wasn't anything spectacular. But there was this thing. It was people came to this place because they wanted to be in this unique space. So when I moved back to Minneapolis, we started Mixed Sterling and the Stud Brothers. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to play the Union Bar and the weekends just like every other band and nobody knew who we were and we couldn't get a gig and blah, blah, blah. And I go, well, why don't we play at Bunkers on Sundays? It's usually dark or it's some 
you know, and nobody's doing this. And Doug Maynard was being pitched as just doing a solo thing there. Mm -hmm. And so we pitched bunkers and said, we'll play for free for six weeks. Put an ad in the city pages, a small ad, and let's see if it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I think this could be a good thing because it worked in St. Louis. And by about the sixth week, we had 75 people show up. And then about a month and a half later, it just it exploded. And because we became, we became the Saturday night for hospitality workers, for hairstylists, for hotel workers, for cab drivers, you know, they, we, we were their night and it was a terrible secret, but it was kind of like a secret. So did you guys play like from four to seven or? or no, nine, we, nine? no, we did, we did nine to one. Um, okay. But it just, when it, when it, when it clicked, it was gigantic. And it lasted like that consistently for at least 12 years. Wow. Every Sunday. So was that before the Dr. Co uh, Mambo Combo or was that? No, Combo had, had started a couple of years before that, but they were oh. doing Mondays. So, oh, they were doing Mondays. They were doing Mondays. Oh, so, I, I mean, they, oh, they yeah, definitely, yeah. Combo proved the concept that an off night could work. But at that time, nobody, no venue anywhere was doing mm. Sundays. Sundays was like, well, this is either dark or we're going to yeah. put something nobody knows in. And so we were really the first one to prove that Sundays could work, but it was based off St. Louis. Because I saw it, I went, this is not that big of a deal musically, but what's happening in this room on a Sunday is a big deal. That's, that's interesting to me. I thought maybe we could do that in Minneapolis. And thankfully, you know, we did. And everything that I've done since then, philanthropically, musically, Everything has been based off of the success of the, that room with the band. Well, I'm going to ask you about your foundation in a yeah. little while, too. And uh, Mick's also an author, as we touched on briefly there. Um, but of these rooms you've played, Bunkers, uh, the Chanhassen Theaters, all the theaters yeah. you've played, Mick, as a musician, and you've got this great variety of things that you can do, including this great Christmas show at Chanhassen oh, yeah, with uh, my so buddy lovely. Ben Utek and just yeah. a wonderful lineup. But um, rooms... Do you have a favorite room? I, I shouldn't say favorite, but among the top rooms you've played, is it a sound thing or is it a crowd thing? Or a, a, How do well, you I judge mean, a room? Bunkers is a lot of sentimental and emotional connection with me just because it, it made me mm -hmm. whatever I'm doing in this town. I love Dakota. I love Chan Asson. Uh, I'm booking these two rooms, uh, Charthouse Live and Epriano's Charthouse in Lakeville and on stage at the Freight House at the Freight House. And they all have the unique aspects to it. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite one. I would say just the longest one would be Bunkers. The most em the most emotional connection with me would be Bunkers, I would say. Yeah, part of the Minnesota yeah. music scene for yeah. sure. Uh, we're talking with Mick Sterling. This is my first concert. You can get it on Apple and get it on Spotify. You can get it on uh, talknorth.com. we got a lot of podcasts right there if you'd like. And uh, Minnesota Propane Association, a great sponsor uh, of this show. Uh, appreciate what our musicians do here in Minnesota, and we're talking a lot about it with one of the best and Mick Sterling. Uh, but let's talk about energy because you hear a lot about it, your home, your business, whatever. There's a source of energy in Minnesota that can offer the benefits of being clean, of being affordable, of being reliable, and obviously providing the energy you need. And that's something you may not have thought about, but it's propane. It's very clean, 43% fewer emissions. 
than the equivalent amount of electricity generated from the U.S. grid. It's very affordable, according to the Department of Energy in this country. Propane costs approximately 30% less than electricity in the U.S. The savings can be even higher right here in Minnesota. And it's reliable because it's energy stored on site. It's independent of the grid. And propane can power your home or business really anytime you need it. And the energy part of it, well, it's a direct energy source used at your home or business. It's different than electricity in this standpoint that electricity is produced somewhere away from your home, right? By the time that electricity gets to your house, 66% of that energy used to produce it is gone. So that's why propane is approximately three times more efficient than electricity. It's propane. It's the right energy right now. But what I would do is go for more information at propane.com and learn a lot more about it. There's a lot of interesting stuff regarding propane. Mick Sterling's with us. Davide Razo is our producer. Dave Lee here. Great to have you with, talking about a number of things. Let me ask you about something close to your heart. Yeah. And you touched on it, your foundation. Yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of this foundation. It's called the 30 Days Foundation. Uh, I started in 2011. Um, and it what it does is that it assists Minnesota families and individuals that are in real-life financial crisis uh, by providing a one-time grant. But when we make the grant, it doesn't go to the person. It goes to the service provider that requires the payment. So, you know, Dave, if you reached us and you couldn't pay your Excel bill, and it was $191 and some odd cents, and we had the funds to do it, we would get the account information and just pay that bill directly. Um, and it's it's pretty astounding. Well, it's not pretty astounding. It's very astounding how how much can be helped by taking one thing off of people's plates. Because nobody starts out in poverty. Nobody starts out homeless. You, you just don't go, oh, I'm homeless. It always starts in the beginning, the first thing that led to the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth thing. That's where the 30 Days Foundation can really excel when we have the funds. We can move very quickly because... We don't have an office space. We don't have, mm-hmm. you know, it's very, it's very quick. And that's why it, there's nearly a hundred charities that reach out to us around the state because they know we can move. They, they do this. Right. They can only do this. And we can do the things maybe they can't, they want to do, mm-hmm. but they're not chartered to do. So yeah, we've been started in 2011. Uh, we're over 110,000 grants that we've made across the state. Because people have assisted us and it's, you know, it's, it's like that. The slogan we have is because we've all been there. We've all been there. Everybody's had that moment, no matter how well you're doing. And sometime you ate a lot of ramen noodles. Yes. Sometime yep. your car almost got repossessed or they turned your power off. You know, it's kind of a fun story to tell later in life. Oh, I was really broke, blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, but when you're in it, it's not that, it's not that much fun. What prompted it? What, what made you decide to do this? Well, you know, it, it, that stemmed too from, you know, from the Stud Brothers and Bunkers and when I did Heart and Soul for Camp Heartland back in the 90s when oh, yeah. HIV and AIDS mm-hmm. was, you know, much more dangerous and not not a maintained um, illness. And, you know, kids were dying. They would go to camp the next, in, in the mid-90s, mid sometimes they didn't come back. It was very dangerous at that particular time. Thankfully, that's not the case anymore. But- so people knew me as running charitable concert events through Heart and Soul. So I did this concert in Excelsior called By the Bay Music Fest in 2010. 
And everybody was asking, who was it for? And I go, well, it, it's not for anybody. I just wanted to do a concert. <laughs> you know, I just thought it'd be fun to do a concert. But then I started thinking, well, what if maybe I should find a charity? If that's what people are expecting me to do. So I'm looking around and I'm not, nothing's knocking me out that isn't already being considerably helped. Well, in a span of a few days, all these people close to me, a large amount of people close to me and me, had things happen to them that had nothing to do with lack of planning. People right. laid up, yeah. people got sick, my yep. serpentine belt broke in my car. These, these things happened. And I went, well, that's interesting. What if there was a charity that took care of those things? What if there was a charity that could pay my serpentine belt bill? Mm-hmm. What, if there, what if somebody that needed, you know, that got laid off, maybe they could take care of one bill? Because the people that, that things were happening to, they don't ask for help. They don't, they make, they don't make too much money to ask. They don't even know how to ask for help. Yeah, correct. And then, yep. then it festers and they don't know how to do it and they won't. And I, well, that's, that's an interesting charity idea. Mm-hmm. And so I met with a couple of people and they each wrote me a check for $300. They said, this is a really good idea. And that's how the 30 days foundation started. So now we're over 110,000 grants since that first meeting. It's, it's, well, congrats. it's astounding yeah. what, thank you. It's astounding what it does. It's very, very simple, and I was very surprised that no one had really thought of it. Like I Googled it. It started on MySpace, for God's sakes. Oh, and wow. I put it out on MySpace, <laughs> and, and, and I Googled it, and, went, and no one had thought of this. So I went, okay. <laughs> no, and the beauty of that, too, is you, know, you can get state grants or federal grants, which are important to a lot of charities, but in your case, as you said, those ha- have a lot of – little red tape things with them, the feds really, and the state. But in your case, you could just, here we go. You well, need and that's why I called it the 30 Days Foundation because people, you know, we're talking about water bills or heating bills or back rent or security deposits or storage unit bills, you know. You could go to a charity and go, well, we'll help you, but we only send checks out quarterly. Well, that's lovely, <laughs> but I they're going to turn my water off in four days. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I thought was intriguing is that I, there was nothing that was being addressed. To, we can't help with everything, but even though a lot of people more than we want need everything, percentage-wise, it's a sliver of people that need everything. So how how are you selecting? How are you getting those leads to those people? People email us. I, I answer four to six hundred emails a week. Wow! People that you know through advocates or through you know. The word has gotten out that sure. we do a lot of recovery houses and sober house partial deposits to get people started mm-hmm. because some people can do it on their own, but most people can't. Right. Yeah. You have to have yeah. some kind of support system. So even if we do like a hundred dollar partial deposit, like there's, there's a great story that happened about five years ago. His name is Meyer Belkin. Meyer Belkin emailed the 30 days foundation and I read his email and I wrote a check from the 30 Days Foundation to the sober house that he was at to help him get there. Well, five years later, Mario Belkin owns Act Two Recovery Houses. He owns eight recovery houses. Wow. Now, wow. the timing of it just happened to be our check. But the, but the bigger thing was that was $150. That literally changed 
his life at that moment. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot. You don't need a lot. Sometimes you just need a break. You yeah. need to catch yep. your breath. And that's what that's what that $150 grant did yep. for Meyer at that time. Not everybody's going to go to that extreme, right. of course, but it can happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if you know somebody cares, you get a little yeah. more confidence. That, yeah, and I think that's what people, I always kind of think, because because people email the 30 Days Foundation, mm-hmm. I, I joke in the we're an online bartender. Sometimes people will go, please help me with a grocery cart. Please help me with rent, like a one sentence thing. But the vast majority of requests we get are four to eight to sometimes 50 paragraphs. People just go, they tell their story. And they, yeah. it's not because they know me. Mm-hmm. But I think something about the concept of the 30 Days Foundation, because you're not sitting in front of anybody. It's not, it's somewhat anonymous. And that they've, they've trusted the concept since day one. And that's that to me has been very, very interesting. Yeah. And, and it hasn't changed. Perhaps therapeutic as they're writing all of these things down. I think it is. I think, I think, and that they know that someone is actually reading what they're saying. Yeah. And they know there's a human on the other side that gets it. I get it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, it takes a lot of courage to write in the first place. It sure does. And uh, it's, hum- you know, it's you, nobody wants to ask for help. Nobody does. No. It's very humbling. Right. Yeah, it's very tough. I mean, I, you know, we used to do um, food truck with loaves and fishes down at, uh, at uh, the old Dorothy Day Center. And the last day that we were there, somebody felt disrespected and it would, it got to be very, very dangerous. We had to stop. I had volunteers. It was a bad way to do the last thing. But that same day, I'm looking out of the food truck, and then you see a lot of the same people there. They're just they're they're going to be homeless forever. There's nothing that it's too far. They're too far gone. Mm-hmm. But what but what I noticed was look at all these people. Everybody has a different reason as to why they are there. But what's the common denominator out of all those people? The common denominator is is that the first thing happened. Something happened. It may be a different thing, but it's the first thing that led to the second and third and fourth and they wound up there. What if what if you didn't get your car repossessed that month five years ago? What if you didn't get, you know, evicted because you couldn't pay three hundred dollars in back rent? Your your trajectory of your life could change, would most likely change for such a small amount of money. That's that's why I think the 30 Days Foundation is so, the concept is so simple, but it's it's palpable what it does. Mm-hmm. I see mm-hmm. it every day. It does amazing stuff for not that much money in the grand scheme of things. Right. It's pretty amazing. Well, congrats on that, uh, Mick. Thanks. Uh, that's a really cool. The, um, the Stud Brothers, let me get, ask you some music yeah. questions again about, because that has become a legendary band here in town, as you know. Um how did that? How did that start? Well, it started with my high school friends, Mark and Tim Moran, um, and Lane Bender and Jeff Fiddler, um, who are now in a band called The Good, The Bad, and The Funky. Who've been around? Yeah, they're a terrific band. But the the initial concept of the Stud Brothers was when I moved back from St. Louis, they wanted to do a horn band because we had been in horn bands before that, and we didn't do very well. And we do the rehearsal, and it was great fun, and. Like I said, we you know we we kind of floundered around for a few months, and then we then we did bunkers. I th- I think the thing about Mick Sterling and the Sud Brothers is that it's 
it's not, it has blues elements, but it's not a blues band. Mm-hmm. I would never say we're a blues band. Mm-hmm. I would say we're like the E Street Band and Southside Johnny and James Brown and a blues band. We have that power. And that and that's from my influences. You know, that as the leader of that band, I know good James Brown is an amazing band leader. Southside Johnny is an amazing band leader. Springsteen is the greatest band leader of rock and roll, probably, you know, outside of Mick Jagger. Yep. You know, they know how to conduct themselves. And I took those influences and used the power of the guys that we have. You know, even in the beginning, again, Bobby joined the band in 96. Mm-hmm. And we had that power. You know, there's Willie and the Bees and there's, you know, Inside Straight and Lamont Cranston and all those bands are amazing in their institutions. But nobody has the power of that thing than Mick Sterling and the Studbrook. Nobody has that power. And it was intentional. We we wanted to make this band sound different than the other amazing bands. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. They're amazing. But we needed our own sound. And so... That's what we did. Yeah. When you when you're doing shows, I mean, I mentioned the Christmas show and mm-hmm. the things you can do with, with Christmas music, and then all of a sudden you're doing a Rod Stewart. All of a sudden you're doing the Bee Gees. Yeah, which I f- have more respect for. I mean, not that I never had respect. Who am I? I just I liked them, but yeah. when I saw that uh, documentary on them, yeah, I just shook my head and going, I. I thought I knew a lot about them. I didn't realize how they were shunned and how good they were, but you can do the Bee Gees. So what determines what shows you're going to well, do? Well, the Bee Gees show is very interesting because that for me was the hardest one for me to get people to believe to do. Mm-hmm. Because everybody has a preconceived notion of what the Bee Gees are. That, Correct, that, yeah. the, the Saturday Night Fever thing was so culturally iconic. And, you know, the white jumpsuits and the blowing, you know, all that stuff. But I just said... And this was way before this documentary came. I've been doing the BG show at least six years. And I said, I'm going to send you these songs. And you tell me if you don't think these are perfect songs, you know, to love somebody, got to get a message to you, words, Massachusetts. Those are perfect songs. So when, when I do the BG show, it's me, my wife, Kate Fierro, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, Amy Lee, Boyd, there's six singers. Yeah, yeah. Because you have, and then you have strings and horns and percussion because that's, you need that sound to make those songs work. Right. Uh, it's an incredible, it's a terrific show. But people were very surprised that I was doing a BG show. It made no sense. But that's why I have five other singers. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, then it makes it's sense. It's good though. It's yeah, really good. It's amazing. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, the Bee Gees for me, Personally, I would categorize them the same, on the same level as ABBA. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, there's similarities there because ABBA has this cool following, mm-hmm. and and the Bee Gees they do they do too, and and I think they, I mean, they came out the same, on the same time, late seventies, seventies, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and they remained. Well, listen, a good song is a good song. Yeah, and you know those those. I mean, even, even there's, you know, the islands in the stream, mm-hmm. which I didn't know until we did this show because I didn't really notice the lyric. But in the second verse of, of Islands in the Stream, huh. 
the, you know, in Dolly Parton and, you know, it's so bouncy, bouncy, but there's a line in there that Barry Gibb wrote, everything is nothing if you've got no one. Everything is nothing if you've got no. I went, holy cow. That is a <laughs> yeah. huge yeah. line in this bouncy little atmosphere. That's really good writing. He snuck that in. That's that's a deep, deep line yeah. in a very happy song. I love that. I love that dichotomy. That's that's amazing. That's so smart. His songs are so smart. Is there a show you haven't done that you want to do? Um, we Kate and I have been trying to get the, the find the right time and to get everyone scheduled together to do this <laughs> Louis Prima and Keely Smith show. Wow. Which I, I think is that stuff is amazing. You know, by the way, Kate is amazing. She, Kate is what amazing. A voice. She is an amazing singer. She's the vocal assassin. I've, I've dubbed her <laughs> the vocal assassin. The, the, the line the line is so funny because we're doing all these Christmas shows for years, and and the line that I get, which is so funny because it's it's verbatim. It, it's always the same thing. They go, "Oh Mick, yeah, I like you, but your wife." <laughs> <laughs> it's, and they yeah. say it exactly the same yeah, yeah. way. It's so yeah. crazy. <laughs> now, uh, so, well, we'll see if that show uh, transpires. I do want to- It's going to happen next year. I'm, I'm going to oh, make well. it happen. <laughs> how, many, how many days are you playing now? Because you don't seem to take a lot of time off. No, I would say, I would say I'm doing 150 to 200 shows a year. Wow. And, and the great thing now, because what I'm doing, every show is a different show. Yes. Every night is a completely different show, which is terrific. I mean, I get to play with, I think I I play with over 100 different musicians in the year. It's it's incredible. Yeah. And I'm, so, I'm so blessed. It's yeah, amazing. the music's great. If you haven't seen Mick, my gracious, go to his website because you can see the whole schedule there, but it's well worth your time. He is Mick Sterling. This is uh, my first concert. Dave Hero, Davide is our producer. Um, I did want to mention our buddy Michael Brindisi over at the Chanhassen Dinner Theater. Yes. Jersey Boys. Uh, yeah. The Four Seasons story. But but you know Mick, uh, Michael, who's the artistic director and a great mm-hmm. guy, but he grew up on those streets of Philadelphia in the shadows of those streetlights doing the acapella thing, which is kind of what this show is like with the Four yeah. Seasons. And so... He's always, he always does a great job, but his passion in this one seems to be uh, a beyond A plus here. Well, you know, when you tap into your childhood, mm-hmm. that's always, you know, the same thing like, you know, we were talking earlier about Ray Charles and Elton, you know, that childhood stuff is sacred. Yeah. And when you get the opportunity to produce something that that is so emotionally connected in your soul, I'm sure Michael is just... The show is financially doing incredible, but it, but I think knowing I don't know Michael real well, but I know I know him, you know a little bit, and he's an artistic person. Yeah, and then this added element of it has to be very special for him. So go so. see it uh, before it, it, it. You know, it's been a great, as Mick says, been a great turnout by the crowds. It's on the main stage at the Chanhassen Dinner Theater, ChanhassenDT.com. Also. Um, uh, mix over there right now with yeah. uh, with Ben Utek and his wife Kate and other many others doing a great Christmas show. In fact, I had a friend come up to me. Uh, go to ChanhassenDT.com, get your tickets and see all the shows that are coming up. And a friend of mine, um, another on this subject, but came up to me unsolicited and told me you got to see this Mick Sterling guy. 
And he came, you know, of course, I'm okay. And because I knew who you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I just, and they, they were so excited oh, about your Christmas show. Yeah. I mean, it was incredible. And, it, you know, you had an evangelist out there that just wanted everybody <laughs> oh, to go. That. So, and it is well, a great show. And and this Christmas show at this particular day at the Cham, where you're actually debuting it. Ben, uh, ben did a couple of shows for us this year. Yeah. But the last week of the year, with this, this ending being, uh, Michael Don Michael Pierce Donley from Triple Espresso. He is the guy that's going to be filling Ben's shoes as my partner in the show, which is amazing. Uh, and a Triple Espresso was a gigantic show that yeah. lasted for decades, and Michael was one of the co-creators of it. And he's great. He's he's been uh, playing piano with me on some shows, and he's just terrific. So yeah, so we're we're debuting Michael Pierce Donley at the Chan Aston show this year, and it's. You know, I think we've I think we have like nine tickets left. Yeah, between well, all the shows, yeah. so it's You'll, really excited to see how that goes. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, if you need a smile, um, it's just it's a great show. The yeah. talent is uh, very good there, obviously. And that's the other thing your your bands have been. You know, you've got an awful lot of talent you work with on different shows. Yeah, you seem to keep people around a long time. So, what's the secret when you have a a band because you're seeing each other a lot, and you know it's like if you travel with a sports team. You think everybody mm. likes each other, and that's not always the case. But with the bands, you've managed yeah. to pretty. Uh, there's there's a core of people that do most of the shows, but every right. show is a little bit different. Yep. And you know, when we travel, it's not usually just a one night thing. Most of the, the gigs are in town, um, but you know, my shows are are different because I have absurdly large bands mm -hmm. that make no financial sense whatsoever. <laughs> On the, on the other hand, but and like, but what I told the band members, you know, when, you know, the first Elton John show we did, the first Van Morrison show, you know, even Andy and Bing, I, we had no idea that it would work. Right. There's, there were 19 people in that show. That, that makes no sense financially. But I would tell everybody, and everybody, thankfully, because I've been around a while, I think they know that if I say something, it it will get done. You know, I think they yep. trust they trust they trust my my gut enough. But I just said, if we do this right, don't think about the first check. Think about 10 years down yeah. the line when we're still making money on this show. Yeah. We just have to do it right. BG is the same thing. There's mm -hmm. 16 people in that band. First gig may not be that, that good, but we'll, we'll do this show for a very long time. And so now all the shows that I'm doing, you know, over 25, we do, they, they've just lasted, mm -hmm. you know? Because they're really good, and nobody sees, nobody's stupid enough to put this many people on a stage like I am. <laughs> you know, I mean, no, nobody would do that. Right. Yeah. But I like that because that's what I I base these shows off of. If I'm going to do this thing, mm -hmm. the tribute thing, if I was going to do it, it had to be an artist that influenced me. Right. And it had to be the show that I would want to see. If I saw them, yeah, it has to be that. Speaking of that, if you were to put together a show, and you mentioned your Mount Rushmore people, yeah, but on the stage, let's say you have three acts, you're responsible for the acts for the show that night. Who would you want to see, or maybe even perform with? Who would I want to see? Yeah, dead or alive. Oh well, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I That's saw Springsteen. I saw Springsteen. I, I actually, I saw, I saw all of them 
my, you know, multiple times. The the one the one person that's kind of four and a half is Van Morrison, and I love Van Morrison, but I I specifically did the Van Morrison show because the Van Morrison show that I saw, and I was so excited to see him, may have been the worst concert I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it was at the Target Center with Taj Mahal, and um, and John Lee Hooker. Wow. It sounded the whole night sounded terrible. Van was awful. Like he just did not want to be there. You could tell he didn't want to be there. He made me feel bad watching him. Like, I'm sorry, Van. I didn't, sorry to put you through this. <laughs> you know, that's an odd bill. It was Taj a great, Mahal? it was a, no, it was a great bill. Really? It could okay. have been amazing, but it just, we just caught Van on a bad night when Van yeah, yeah. wanted to play. He's, he's Van Morrison, you know, but I, I went, man, I want to do the show that I wanted to see that night because I was really, really excited to see Van Morrison. And I, he just had an off night. But it inspired me to put the Van Morrison's called Beautiful Vision show together. And I, we've been doing that show almost 10 years now. Yeah, it's a great show. It's a great show. Sometime I'll bore you with my midnight special story, if you remember that. <laughs> yeah. And it was Van Morrison and George Benson and Carlos Santana and Tom Scott and uh, Dr. John. And Etta James, who I helped up on the stage and quickly got thrown to the ground. <laughs> but <laughs> by Etta? Yeah. Yeah. No, and she so You ever read her autobiography? No, and I that I, is I have unbelievable. To. I have she's to. done she, she came did over everything. and thanked me during, <laughs> before she? they started singing. All of us singing together. She says, Go, wait a minute, walks over, leans over to the front of the stage, says I want to thank you anyway. Those security guys were kind of mean. Oh, so, wow. wow. And I said, well, they were doing their job. <laughs> cool anyway, but you're a writer too. I mean, you talk about her book. Yeah. You're an author as well. I am an author. I have three books. Um, and um, my second, you know, my first book is called The Long Ride Home, Life in the Minnesota Music Scene that came out in 2006. And then my most recent book uh, came out in 2021 called And Else, A Version of Life According to Mick Sterling, which is a bunch of short essays that are, kind of funny and thought-provoking and sarcastic and mm -hmm. terribly sad, like life is at times. And, yeah. And uh, and now I have a brand new book, It's but it's not, I'm very excited about it because I've never seen anybody. It's called Mickisms, A Collection of Conversation Enders. <laughs> and it's it's um, it's an email book. So you if you want on mickisms.com, it's $5 and you get one page every three days in your email. Oh, wow. And it's just kind of a, there's a photo with a kind of a quippy yeah. thing that I come up with. And a great idea. It's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty fun. So, yeah. And then else, you know, Louis Anderson gave me an amazing review. He read the entire book. We had an amazing, just life-changing conversation. I go, God, Louis, you read, I think you read my entire book. <laughs> He went, I love your book, man. I love it. You know, it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, just we just it. had such an amazing conversation. And yeah. and he read all of it. And that was a big boost for me. I'm very proud of that book. You know, uh, I know you're. we're also proud of your son. And we're in Creation yes. Audio, where we're doing the show, yes. which is a, which Davide is a music producer mm -hmm. by trade. And then he lowers his standards to sit with me oh, once a week. On but your son recorded here. My son, yeah. My son passed away in, in uh, 2017 and uh, 2019, excuse me. And... Uh, he did his recordings here at Creation with his band Dirt Train, and mm -hmm. he did it during uh, the thick of chemo. He uh, passed That's away amazing. of Hodgkin's lymphoma, and he, yeah, it was amazing. Him and that band, they just burned it down, and uh, 
It's pretty amazing. If you go on YouTube and look for Dirt Train, there's all kinds of songs that they did in, I don't know, 16 mm-hmm. hours. They just banged it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was he was quite extraordinary. And And Else, the word And Else, uh, the title is is from Tucker. When he was a little boy, he he would use that that word, which was not a word, wow. but he would go like, you know, Papa, I want to do this, and Elsa, I want to do that. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> word. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I have a lot. And we, the Stud Brothers did our, sec- our, our second record here. I did uh, The Best Laid Plans in 1999. I did uh, the basic tracks, Hero Creation. So, yeah, it's a, it's a legendary space. Sounds amazing. It is, yeah. The Guess Who yep. did the yeah. first recordings here. It was yep. Long List, Paul Abdul. I remember doing a Paul Wellstone fundraising song here with a bunch of people. Okay. Leslie oh, wow. Ball and back in, you wow. know, when he was running. That was a, that was quite an inspiring day. Yeah. Did you ever uh, do, because uh, Mick, uh, and I've seen, you know, like you've had Mary Jane Allman in a lot of your shows. Yeah. Who's just so talented. Yes, she is. And she was kind of the the jingle person. She, yes. When they wanted, companies wanted a jingle, oftentimes uh, she was the one. Yes. Did you ever get into that stuff at all? I did, um, I did the twins. I did uh, tires plus. Oh, did you? You did. The I twins. did. Well, the biggest one we did was Pizza Hut. The, the the Stud Brothers did, and it debuted on the Super Bowl, and it ran on the oh, radio. Wow. Ipso facto, when us got the radio and TV thing. So that that song has last. That's one of the greatest CDs. I wish I could find it. I'm sure I threw it away, <laughs> but it's it's all these different music Minnesota bands doing this their version of the Pizza Hut jingle. It's on a CD. And it's, I, I, I wish I could find it. I'm sure it'd just be so funny. Yeah, because that used to be a lucrative uh, business. I don't know. Uh, you don't hear about it as much, but man, they loved yeah, jingles was, back in the day. This, well, I mean, think about think about the money that that progressive, you know, flow from progressive must be making. My God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's got to be breaking it all in, you know. But yeah, there were, there were a few singers. Mark Lichtai did a lot of, stuff mary jane Alm did a lot of stuff i never got to that level where they were at but i did a few yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well mick uh, i really appreciate you coming in obviously oh, thanks, what you, you've done you for again. um minnesota and the music industry and of course with the foundation all sorts of Thank good you. stuff and i know you're not done you got a million things going on but yeah my mother's son you know I, i've got a lot of things going on in this head of mine so you know just, <laughs> it's hard but <laughs> <laughs> what's a good problem davide thank you as always yeah um before you close can i can i Say something. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. Because <laughs> this is uh, probably the last podcast of the year. So oh. uh, we want to thank our audience uh, for sure and uh, wish them uh, happy holidays. And uh, hopefully they will stick around for next year. And uh, also wanted to thank you, Meg, to be here. Thank and, you. And uh, we met in a couple of occasions. And uh, I actually was privileged to to work with you at blues fest and that was uh, fun it was a really fun day uh the one thing before i forget uh we mentioned your foundation what's the website for that uh the website is uh the word the and then 30-daysfoundation.org the 30-daysfoundation.org thank you thank you and then uh dave i want to thank you uh for you letting me Lower my standards for <laughs> yeah, you, and and introduce this this podcast right here, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and also want to wish you uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, and hopefully you're gonna have a, a good time. Were those Switzerland Christmases? Were they a big deal? Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. a lot of decorations. I think and... Italy more. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, Italy. It they're more into this 
than, than Switzerland. Well, Davide, thanks for everything you do. Our thanks as well. Here on my first concert to our uh, friends at UCARE, uh, uh, obviously, Aquarius Home Services, also the Minnesota Propane Association, StarBank.net, and our friends over at the Chanhassen Dinner Theaters. You can go to their website and check out some of these great shows like Mick is doing right now as we speak. So great having you along here on the show today. As always, appreciate hearing feedback from you. That's It's awesome just to be walking around town and people will talk about, they'll bring something up about Mick or, or, or your buddy Bobby Vandell and, or, you know, yeah. talking about the Bob Dylan Blood on the Tracks album with oh. Billy. Anyway, Minnesota's blessed with so much music talent. So much and that's why it's history. fun to do this. That is yeah. true. And that's why I'm, I'm so glad that you... Uh, came on because you are a piece of this history here. thank you it's, it's an honor to be a part of the history I, I do feel like that just yep. you stick around long enough you kind of do but but I think the things that you know the stud brothers have done and you know the things that, that I've been able to you know thankfully put together I, I do feel a part of that fabric and it's, it's a good feeling I like it yep yeah. thanks for everything I appreciate that thank you guys and we'll see you next time again download these on Apple Spotify uh, talknorth.com and my first concert's back next year. Happy New Year. <laughs>